0: That was Dr. John Philip Newell. He was at one time the warden of the Iona Abbey in Scotland. He has also served as the companion theologian for the American Spirituality Center at the Ghost Ranch in New Mexico, where Georgia O'Keeffe painted. What is light, biblically speaking? It is the very essence of life. This light is within all things, and it comes out of everything that has been. Our job is not to create the light. That's the job of the creator. That's God's job. Our job is to release light, the light that's already there, to set it free. Would you stand as you are able, stand in spirit, and receive these words of Scripture from the 60th chapter Of the book of Isaiah. Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, the Lord will shine upon you. God's glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your dawning radiance. Lift up your eyes and look all around. They are all gathered, they have come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on caregivers' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will tremble and open wide because the sea's abundance will be turned over to you. The nation's wealth will come to you. Countless camels will cover your land. Young camels from Midian and Ephah, they will come from Sheba, carrying gold and incense proclaiming the Lord's praises. Amen and amen. You can have a seat. These words are found toward the end of the book of Isaiah. There are 66 chapters in total in this book of the Bible. Some divide this particular book of the Bible up into three sections based on the theme of the words and based on the timeline in which the Those words were written, and this particular section of chapter 60 of Isaiah is sometimes referred to as being a part of third Isaiah, or trito-Isaiah. Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament Testament biblical scholar, says that the book of Isaiah as a whole is an extended meditation on the city of Jerusalem and what the city of Jerusalem means to us spiritually. Spiritually. You know, the temple is located in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is also a bustling urban center with politics and commerce and the military all present. Chapter 60 of Isaiah was written well after Jerusalem was sacked. Jerusalem was sacked and its inhabitants were carried off into exile in Babylon. In fact, by this point in Isaiah, by chapter 60 of Isaiah, the exiles are returning home. And the words of the prophet then reflect a hope. They reflect a hope that the city is being restored. A new Jerusalem is imagined, which is also a new creation. A new Jerusalem, biblically speaking, is a new creation where God's mercy flows, where God's blessings flow out to the entire world. And Isaiah says that people come from all over the world. They come from Midian, they come from Ephah, they come from Sheba, the entire world to join in, to join in. God's restoration. At the center of the recreation is light. Chapter 60 begins with the word, Your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. This light is an intrusion of God. It is a welcomed intrusion, but it's an intrusion nonetheless. It is restoring and creating You see, Jerusalem would have been a dismal scene for many years, for a couple of hundred years. All that was vibrant had been destroyed, had been killed, had been carted off. Jerusalem sat a city of ruins, Isaiah says, because of its own corruption. But judgment, judgment is never the final word for God's prophet Judgment is always followed closely by hope. And in chapter 60, hope has arrived. Hope, the prophet Isaiah says, is dawning, is rising. And this is an important word in this particular passage. Biblical scholar and translator Robert Alter claims that the word dawning Rising, in verses 2 and 3, is most significant. For look, darkness covers the earth and thick mist the people, but nations shall walk by your light and kings by your dawning radiance. This light is not simply shining. Some translations say that the light is shining. Kings will walk by your shining radiance. But this light is dawning. It is rising after a long darkness. It is recreating. This week, I had a great conversation with my spiritual director. And we talked about the difference between a stained glass Christmas Day and a barn door Christmas Day. I wonder which one you had Did you have a stained glass Christmas morning or a barn door Christmas morning? The stained glass Christmas sparkles from a distance, but it's hard to see what's really going on through the window on the other side of the glass. might catch some shadows, but you can't make out the detail of what's going on on the other side of the window. A stained glass holiday appears delightful and valuable without blemish, Perfect. It looks great on Instagram or Facebook. A stained glass Christmas probably moved at a fast pace with an excess of some kind food or gifts or alcohol and decor that sparkles with a combination of electricity and glitter. But a barn door Christmas is different. It's earthy, it's real, it kind of smells. You see, the light that shines through a barn door just makes the dust shimmer. The light of the dawn shines just through the crevice of a barn door. I know because I've been a few times, I don't go often enough. I think my husband Keith would prefer it if I went to the barn every morning. Most of the times he does. But when I walk through the barn in the morning, I know that the light is there on the east side of the barn. It captures my attention, but the horse stalls in the tack room are still dark. There's not much sheen to an early morning barn. There's no glitter, no sparkle. There's a lot of stink. (laughs) I'm well aware of the hay and the manure and the flies that are buzzing around. The space is crowded with well-rested beasts who quickly give voice to their hunger pain. There's a sense of urgency for me to get those barn doors open. I usually step pretty gingerly and awkwardly around the farm equipment that's in my way and an anxious barn cat who wants to be fed. Sometimes I trip. It's been known to happen. But when I reach the door, I anchor my feet and i push the heavy doors apart it's first thing in the morning oh my aching shoulders <laughs> even with the discomfort and the stench i always always find the dawning light on the other side of those doors it's a relief it's always there the breeze the mist the early light that's the place That's the place of the truth of the Christ child. It's a less than space. It doesn't sparkle. But it is where hope is born. And it is where hope thrives. Today we we celebrate the beginning of epiphany. An epiphany originally meant an appearance of God. The manifestation of God with us. Epiphany is God introduced in a new way, in human form. The story that we tell each year when we celebrate Epiphany is the story of the three kings visiting the Christ child. I need you to know this morning the truth about that story is we present it as a stained glass story. It's beautiful, but a little too decorated. Here's the familiar version. There were three kings, and they looked an awful lot like handsome San Antonio High School students. And they set off on a journey. They all dressed in sparkly, expensive fabrics. They were riding prized camels. They were carrying costly gifts. And the kings appear at the doorstep of Mary and Joseph. And they bow to the baby. And they present him with symbolic and valuable gifts that honor him as the one true king. But go with me to the barn Let's go to the barn and hear that story again. You see, King Herod in this story is the only one wearing a crown. And King Herod is paranoid and he's afraid. He's so afraid that all of Jerusalem, the holy city, the new creation, all of Jerusalem trembles with fear at what this king's anxiety might do. You see, the new creation is in danger. The king is visited by magicians. These magicians come from far away and they are looking for a newborn king and they follow a radiant light, a god light in the sky. King Herod has no clue what these magicians are talking about, but his experts advise him that Bethlehem might be the place that the men are describing. The magicians follow the godlight to Bethlehem where they present Mary and Joseph with practical gifts that allow them to escape and to heal and to survive. Frankincense calms the soul. Myrrh can heal the body and gold, well gold, could fund their escape. This holy family and all families with young sons in and around Bethlehem will be terrorized by King Herod. He gives an order that those under the age of two, the true innocents, should be killed. It's a dismal scene that I can hardly bear to imagine. But like baby Moses, this deliverer will be spared. He will come out of Egypt and lead God's people to a new freedom. This is the radiant light that is dawning. This is the welcomed intrusion into the holy city and into the world. This is a hope for all people. As you look into 2022, into this next year, I wonder, I wonder what you're hoping for. Are you hoping for things that sparkle and things that shine like formal perfection? Or can you let yourself seek this intrusive light that creates and restores even in dismal circumstances? This week I heard uh, Tricia Taylor and Jim Harrington reflect on the year 2021 with an eye to the road ahead. Taylor and Harrington are both ordained clergy who advise church leaders. And Tricia Taylor said, if you are alive at the end of the year 2021, there's a good chance that both your faith and your relationships have been tested. It's the truth for all of us. What was a crisis in the year 2020 became chronic anxiety, and it made life hard. For every single person, every single one of us. And so they gave two pieces of advice for the road ahead. The first was remembering that doing hard things is significant. And doing hard things well is enough. It's a worthy goal to do things not perfectly To do hard things not perfectly, but to do them well, which means we show up. So when relationships are hard, when our faith gets tested, we show up to that struggle. And we seek to respond and not to react. Secondly, Jim Harrington said, whatever extra energy you have at the end of the day, whatever extra energy you have after doing this hard thing, put that towards meaningful connection. So meaningful connection with other people and meaningful connection with God. Ditch the tasks, ditch the to-do lists, ditch the sparkle, but find every opportunity that you can to seek meaningful connection with the people in your lives and with God. Pastor James Howell makes a distinction between optimism and hope that is helpful to me when I consider the year ahead and when I consider the year ahead as I'm reflecting on Isaiah chapter 60. He says that optimism, it's a sunny dream that tomorrow will be better, but it's up to me to make tomorrow better. It's up to you and me to make tomorrow better and tomorrow will be better because we will do it. That's optimism, but hope is different. Hope trusts a larger, longer frame. Hope knows that even if tomorrow is worse, that the future is in God's hands. The future belongs to God, and hope trusts the light to dawn. Ours, Isaiah 60 says, is simply to stand, to arise. Arise is the very first word of Isaiah 60. And standing is an act of trust. It's not just standing physically. This is standing in soul. And so for the soul to stand, that's an act of trust. For the soul to stand, it's about dignity. It's about readiness. And it's about eagerness to see what God will do next. Arise shine your light has come your light has dawned will you pray with me eternal god you created light out of darkness and you brought forth life on earth you formed us in your image and you breathed into us the breath of life when we turn away and our love fails your love always remains steadfast Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You sent a star to guide wise men to where the Christ was born, and in your signs and witnesses in every age and through all the world, you have led your people from far places to this light. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you, he broke the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, this is my blood, it's a new covenant, it's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus the Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ, through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. This is the body and blood of Christ. It is given for you. This is the true light that is dawning. with me. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you reveal yourself to us. Send us into the world to see and to bear witness to your revelation, to your light that is in all things. We hope, we trust, we eagerly anticipate the dawn. Amen.